Hey, Realtors. If you're listening to this right now, it means you're serious about your business. Remember, if you need a little help implementing any of the strategies you hear on this podcast, go to boarddigital.com and book a time to talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Marketers Podcast. Today, we are privileged to have Zul Abdullah as a special guest on the show. Zul is an international real estate investor with over 25 years of experience. He has sold properties from around the world, including Morocco, Egypt, Spain, Malaysia, the US, England, but most notably, he was one of the first investors in Dubai in 2002 before it became the international powerhouse it is today. He sees trends before most people, and he isn't shy to trust his instinct. Today, he's going to share some insights on how to identify a real estate opportunity, as well as what to do when you find one. I'm Oliver Bohr, and this is the Real Marketers Podcast. In 2002, uh, correct me if I'm wrong at any point in time, this is just from my research, you flew to Dubai to invest, and 2002 um, was when any, n- there was nothing really in, in Dubai, right? Like it was, it was a pretty barren at the time, so you were basically doing it before it was even cool. Um, yeah. as, I, as, I, as I believe, you were one of the first investors there, so you sold property on Palm Island even before anything existed, which is pretty crazy. That's like somebody investing in Bitcoin before anybody even knew what it was. Um, and you're currently selling properties in Morocco, Spain, Egypt, Malaysia, many other international markets. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Am I missing a few markets? Uh, U.S. market is the big one now. I've kind of like uh, zoned in on the U.S. now. Okay. So uh, as, I, as I believe that is your primary market is North America and England. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. So I really want to get into it. Learn your story. It's sort of fascinating to me how somebody could, could get so international. Um, how'd you get into this? So I started investing back in the 90s, read a book about um, investing. I was always interested in things like stock shares, trying to make my uh, money work for me. And then one chapter in this book was dedicated to real estate investing. And the guy, I can't remember the name of the book. I can't remember um, the author. All I remember is this one chapter talking about um, leveraging money and using the bank's money because a one per percent increase in the value of the property means that you just made that difference in the price as, as, as a profit. And that fascinated me. So I went out and bought the text, exactly what the book said. It said, buy a three-bedroom single-family home. And I went out and bought exactly that. And literally within two years, uh, I was working 90 at the time. That appreciated that it's the same amount in, within two years as my salary in IT. And that got my attention. I thought, wow, I need to look into this a lot more. <laughs> So that's what really got me into investing. <laughs> that's funny. You're, you're t- this is the secret to happiness, guys. This is the secret to, to financial freedom. I don't remember the name of the book, though. <laughs> yeah. is, it by any, is it by any chance Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I know that. that no, no, that was, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was kind of like, I'd already been in the ball game about 15 years when that book came out. And I read that and I thought, what's all the fuss about? I've been doing that for the last 15 years. Uh, so that's honestly, great. that's what I thought when I read that book. That's uh, funny. But I, Jim Slater comes to mind, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I'm, I need to you know, look through the attic and everything and figure out where this book is. <laughs> right. I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and, and as I was reading through it, I was sort of looking at this and I was like, this is possibly a little bit too simple, but I mean, I guess you've been doing it for a while. It's fairly intuitive. And uh, what makes you think that some people don't get into this and other people do? Like, what's the difference between those who don't commit to this and other people who do? I think it's all about risk appetite. Uh, I'm quite adventurous. I'm a risk taker. And very quickly, I learned that with, with a bit of risk, uh, calculated risk, 
you can really get some upside. And then as I went through my career and investing, you know, you take losses, but um, what I learned was without the risk, you won't get the reward. So losses are just part and parcel of this ball game. And that's, you know, that's business. And uh, that's, that's really what I've taken on board. What would you say the ratio is to when you have a successful investment versus an unsuccessful one? You see, it's difficult to quantify by numbers because I look at it overall as long as you're up. You know, uh, I used, I mean, I really, really used to be, um, if I saw a deal, I'd take it. I mean, back in the Dubai days, I was literally, if I had spare money, every bit of money was going straight into another deal. I would literally, if there's a new project in town and I liked it, I was the first one there. And I would always buy, even the same in Manchester in the UK as well. I would literally go to new development sites. See, back in the day, the way I used to make money was not everybody was on the off-plan thing back in the day. So what I would do is I would turn up when a, when a developer's just launching a new project and I would walk in and I would turn around and I said, okay, what would you do if I take two plots? And obviously you're going to negotiate a discount because you're taking two. And here I am, an investor, don't need to mess around, got the 10% put down straight away. And the longer they take for completion, I'm happy because the way I see it is, the value is appreciating as they're building the project anyway. And I did the same thing in the UK. I did the same thing in Dubai. And I would literally, I would just go and I buy two plots on every, and my idea was on completion, I would flip one plot because that would get my cash back out and I'd just buy and hold the other one. And it worked, you know, the strategy just right. worked. And uh, that's so cool. So uh, one of the questions I was going to ask is what is that strategy? But let me just sort of make it a little bit, um, I guess, more general. Um, this strategy that you implement, do you primarily buy for yourself using the strategy or do you, do you buy for others? And if you're buying for others versus yourself, how does that process differ? Or does it even differ at all? Yeah, Oliver, maybe I'm going, um, off tangent. Maybe I went a bit off tangent with that. That's how I got started in off plan stuff. But, but what I found out with off plan is in 2008, we got hurt a little bit badly. You know, a lot of developers, they went under, uh, the market was really bad, both in the UK and Dubai. And we had developers that didn't complete the projects. And since 2008, I, re, I, I basically came back with a new strategy. And I thought, I only want to buy now what's already built. So my strategy has changed since then. And now I only buy and sell what I can touch, feel that's there and built. So there's no risk in a developer going bust and disappearing and people losing their funds. So I've become a lot more risk averse, uh, even though I'm still adventurous, you know, I still invest overseas internationally, but now I want to touch and feel and I want to sell to my clients who can touch and feel the property. So there aren't any issues coming up then. Right. Um, where do you buy most of your properties and why? So the last couple of years now, I've zoned in on North America. In particular, you know, I really like the Cleveland market, really cheap and cheerful. Rental yields are really good. Yeah, so North America, basically. Um, Cleveland market, I really like it. Jersey market is good, um, but it's a bit more expensive. I just recently moved into Detroit as well. We've got some good opportunities there. I, I like low entry pricing, you know, and so these kind of markets are really on my radar and that's where I like investing. Right. Cool. Um, what are you looking for in a real estate, real estate opportunity to know if it's going to be a successful investment? So three things I'm always looking for, Oliver. Uh, first thing is price. You know, I, I just want to 
what's always worked for me is what I call cheap and cheerful. I, I just like cheap and cheerful properties. Some people like to go for high end stuff, you know, they want to flip it. What's always worked for me is almost kind of recession proof. You know, I like the low entry price points because I don't want to be in a position where, you know, whatever's happening with the financial markets, this, that, and the other, my cheap and cheerful properties aren't affected as much. And I'm looking for high rental yields. So three things I look for, particularly low entry price. I want to buy as you know, as, as much discount as I can get. So under market value. So if, you know, if a realtor, for example, is selling those kind of properties at 80 K, I want to be in that around 40 K if I can find the deal. Those are the kind of deals I look for 40, 50 K. And then the other thing is I, I, I want quick turnaround. I want things, projects where I can quickly go in, renovate them, just give them a quick lick of paint, tidy up the bathroom, tidy up the kitchen. I don't do heavy renovation because it's a headache contractors are a hassle and I haven't got the time. You know, I just want stuff that's quick and easy up and running. And then the third thing I want is high rental demand. I don't want to be in the middle of the stick somewhere. I don't want to be, you know, maybe I'll do that when I retire right now. I want people knocking on my door to rent my property right. from day one. So those are the right. three things that I look for. Okay, cool. I just want to get back to another uh, question that you answered before when I asked, where do you buy most of your properties? Um, and most of your real estate transactions are done in North America. You said particularly Cleveland, D Detroit, and, and, and places like that, right? Yeah. What's, what's the difference between the North American market versus other international markets? What really led me to America, it's always fascinated me investing in the US and I was always attracted to the pricing, but I hadn't done enough homework until a few years ago when I was really, really, you know, I've been around the houses. I've, I've invested a lot of places overseas, as, as you already mentioned. Um, but what I really liked about the U.S. market was the robust buying procedure. I really like because I'm from originally from the U.K. You know, we use lawyers, solicitors. Your money is very safe. It goes through a solicitor conveyancing. There's very little chance of you getting scammed unless you come off you know, the normal procedure. So you, as long as you follow the protocol, very, very difficult for you to get, you know, lose your funds. And the US market is very similar. You know, you use registered title agencies, monies go through escrow accounts. And I really like that, um, you know, that robust buying procedure. So what's it like over there? Like in more international markets, let's say, let's go to like the Middle East, for example. I know you said that um, you had some in Egypt. So, so what's it like over there? Egypt is basically, um, it's, it's, it's a bit scary. It's a bit like the wild west out there. Um, you need to do business on a handshake and you need to, you know, people are expecting you to hand over cash to them as deposits. Um, it's a very, very difficult buying procedure. If you're not from there, you're not local, um, you can very quickly and easily get stung. And uh, yes, there's notaries there, but then you also you need to be careful of which notaries you use, right. who's favoring which side. So it's a it's a difficult market. You know, uh, right. it's been many places like that I've been to. And if you're an international investor, you just don't need to go through all them stresses. Right. It's probably just more like a culture thing also. Like I know I spent some time in Israel and it's just even like going into a shop, I remember like to buy, I was buying a hat and I was negotiating down the price. And as I was doing it, it was, it was actually a fair price. There was no reason for me to do it other than the fact that I'd spent a year there. And this is what I knew that they did. You buy a hat, you go to the market, 
it's 25 shekels and you know you ask no i'm paying 20 like there's no reason to do that it's just it's a cultural thing so um probably is different for obviously the locals people who live there but for people buying more internationally i'd imagine that there's a bit of a barrier of entry like that yeah absolutely and i think as well it's kind of almost um, used against you. If you're from overseas, they're seeing dollar signs or they're seeing pound signs sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you're almost like uh, your game, you know, you're walking. Right, you're fresh places. meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you've got that awesome. to compete with. And so, yeah, you know, it can get a little bit tricky. So We're too polite I, over here in North America. It's hard for us to say no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, as a final question, just want to give it a little bit of advice to some young entrepreneurs, some young keen um, real estate investor hopeful. So what do you advise for people who want to start buying and selling real estate and are younger? So maybe they don't have the money yet to do so. They don't really have the know-how. How would you advise that they get into the game? I think a really, really good opportunity right now is um, get yourself under the wing. Even, I mean, if, if I was to start a game now, if I was fresh out of college, I would even work for free to get into this ball game. I would, I would get myself under, under someone um, work for free, offer your services, work out the ball game, pack up your money, save some money and get into the game. The sooner you get into the game and start investing yourself, you figure out the issues, the pitfalls, get experience. And, you know, there's things like there are um, ways that you can earn commission without investing in, in real estate, not necessarily have to be a, a realtor. You know, I, I, I pay finders fees to people. I, um, I have people who uh, are just trying to get in the game. And I said, look, just uh, go around your circle and ask people if they're selling. And if they're selling, give me the name and number. I'm going to call them up. And if I buy that property, I'm going to give you a finder's fee. So, cool. it, you know, you can do that with people. So let's, let's give, a, I guess, a, an actionable item to any listeners who are looking to get involved in that. Could we get, um, let's say, five cities that people should be looking at to invest in or to at least suggest to you for that finder's fee? Yeah, 100%. Um, moving into Atlanta now because that market's really hot out there. Atlanta, obviously Cleveland and Jersey. New Jersey and New York, obviously, all day long. You know, we've we got buyers knocking on them doors. Anything in Florida. And finally, Texas and Houston uh, are on my radar as well. So once I get Atlanta up and running, Florida's already kind of like bubbling in the background. Um, I have a business partner who is moving out into Florida. So we're going to be doing more active out there. But any of those five places, but then I think Texas has got a lot of action going on. And in, in right. I've, been hearing, I've been hearing rumblings about, about Houston yeah. uh, starting to be developed and, 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 and uh, built up. That's right. Yeah, there's so much opportunity, you know, in these big metropolitan areas. And I always like buying on fringes where prices are still affordable, you know, where places are yeah. still generating, you know, the, the regeneration areas. That's what I like. Uh, opportunity right. zones, they call them. So we, we live, I, I'm currently located in Hamilton, which is a small, I don't want to call it a suburb because it's not a suburb. It's a city near Toronto. Um, so, so when we make the drive in there and we're looking around and we're seeing houses for sale and these prices are just, they're astronomical. So they've been astronomical for a while. So I know that there was a little bit of an exodus from Toronto, people moving to Hamilton for more affordable housing. And I say more affordable, uh, in inverted quotations because it's no longer like that. So now I'm looking at the houses here, um, and the median house price in this area is probably about 550,000 and the houses are not very big at all. So sometimes it's almost comical for me to go onto some real estate. Uh, website and look at the at the the houses in Detroit, in Houston, in all of these cities, 
Um, and it's just staggering. It really is comical. Like I'm looking at this house right now for like $400,000 in Houston. That would be like 950,000 to a million dollars here. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's such a big divide between pricing, but I think people are starting to catch on and obviously people are, are working remotely now. So people are willing to, to, to live further out. Uh, isn't that necessarily that you need to be in, you know, a bubbling metropolitan city right. if you can, um, you know, telework, for example. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think with any other product that this, the price for the actual product can differ so drastically like that. You know what I mean? Like even let's say if you get um, a computer with like a, a name, well, I guess actually maybe it could with some clothing brands. Like I guess like Louis Vuitton would be the equivalent of like New York City kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's really interesting. And like you're saying, I mean, you have your finger right there on that pulse and, and, um, and I, I think that's sort of what's necessary to be successful in the game. So I really appreciate all of the time that you've spent with us, Zool. You've given some really good insights, either for, for realtors who are looking to invest in solve, for young entrepreneurs who are budding and, 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 and want to get into this. So thank you so much for your time. Um, if somebody was looking for you, either maybe to talk to you for a little bit of feedback or advice, or like you're saying, these people should maybe, young, young people maybe could be working for free, fresh out of college to learn it. Um, or maybe if somebody's looking for a real estate opportunity, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, two. I'm I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, you find me at at Zul CEO. Uh, that's at Zul CEO. And then uh, on my website, MrZul.com. That's nice and easy. Uh, you can get me there. But yeah, I'd love to connect with any of um, anyone who's trying to get in the game or looking for opportunities. Always always looking to connect. So appreciate it, Oliver. Okay, well, there you go. So we've given you some opportunities. We've given you some insights. So now there's no excuse. If this is something that you want to get into, give Zul a call. Um, who's happy to help out and uh, yeah so thank you very much for all of your time this has been incredibly valuable incredibly insightful um, and I hope we can have you on again sometime yeah absolutely Oliver I appreciate it really enjoyed it thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the real marketers podcast I hope you found it valuable your success is my success so I really want to see you grow please share this podcast to other realtors that you think would benefit from it. And if you want to take your business to another level, go to boarddigital.com and book a time to talk. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.